I want to welcome you all into Red Brush this morning. Uh, we are in our fifth week of our series that we're calling It's Who We Are. Um, a few months ago, we instituted as a staff seven core values that we decided we're going to strive to live by this code. Uh, we're going to strive to live by these seven things, and it's our hope that uh, because we believe these are biblically grounded, biblically rooted core values, that you would take these for yourself. It's our belief that these are core values for a church because they're core values for a believer. And so this is the fifth week. Over the last four weeks, we have covered a lot of ground on a lot of different things. Week one, we said we are a hardworking people. We commit to serving others, to serve the Lord, to glorify him. And so Colossians 3.23 was what we based this on. We said we are a hardworking people to glorify God. Week two, we recognize that we don't just obtain this spiritual growth for ourselves. The reason why we as believers even come here this morning is so that we can take what we have been strengthened with and pour that out on others. We are filled to be emptied. Week number three, we said that that this is the core value that has the ability to unravel everything else. To, to absolutely destroy everything that we work for. And so we said week three, our, our core value is no gossip. We handle conflict directly at Red Brush. We don't spend our time tearing others down. We spend our time building each other up. And so we are a place where gossip is unsafe. And week four, we said we have the core value of having strong character. Everything that we do, the way that we live our lives, whether in church, whether in the world, we live our lives with integrity to a world that is watching. And so today, we're going to move out of the marketplace, we're going to move out of the church, and we're going to move our core value to the home. We say that one of our core values, our fifth core value, is that we strive for strong families because our first ministry is at home. As it relates to our staff, we've, we've rolled out our different core values, and, and we said there's one of these that, that if you get wrong, certainly they're all important, but there's one of these that you get wrong and have everything else down perfect, it still doesn't matter. In fact, over the course of my time in ministry, one of the things that stuck with me, I've learned a lot of different lessons, had a lot of different people pour into me, and one of those impactful things that was said to me early on in ministry was this, if you win in ministry and lose at home, you lose. If you win in ministry and you lose at home, you lose. Meaning, no matter how many people fill the church building, no matter how strong in the faith that you feel, if you're failing at home, the reality is, is you failed. Our first ministry is at home. And you can extend this saying out to, to whatever arena of life you're in. If you win in business and you lose at home, you lose. If you win in school and you lose at home, you lose. 
If you win in whatever area of life you're in and you lose in the spiritual health and the battle for the hearts and minds of your family, you lost. Our first ministry as believers is at home. And so we strive to cultivate strong families spiritually. And my hope is that today as we walk through different scripture in the word, you're going to see the importance of this. You're going to see that, that this is the first priority for you as a believer. We strive for strong families. Now, every time I've, I've talked about family, I, I want to make this clear. Because as we talk about the family and talk about the home today, I recognize that there are some of you, whether by choice or whether by circumstance, you're single. You may not have a spouse. You may not have kids. Here's what I want to say to you, that for so long the, the church culture has kind of perpetuated this idea that you've latched onto, that somehow you are incomplete because you're unmarried. Somehow you're incomplete or not whole because you don't have children. The reality for all of us is this, it is Christ alone who makes you complete. No spouse, no kid can be the thing that makes you whole. As great a gift as they are, it is Christ alone who completes you. So as we talk about the family today, recognize we are not saying that this is how you're complete as a person. No, we recognize that God has given different people different things in their life, different areas of life, different circumstances. And so today as we focus on the home, we say, hey, whatever your circumstance, uh, whether you're married, whether you're not, whether you have children, whether you don't, our response is to glorify God. And so the the thing I want to do, first of all, is establish a framework early on. Because as we talk about family. We talk about a strong family. The question that often lingers is this, what makes a strong family? Maybe the follow-up question to that is, well, who decides what constitutes a strong family? And so I want to start here this morning. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to turn to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 15. And I think this sets the framework for this entire sermon, this entire series. And in fact, it probably sets the framework for your entire life as a believer. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will certainly die. Four things in these three verses that establish the framework for today. And again, I I would go so far to say that they establish the framework for your life as a believer. In the first three verses, what you're going to see is this. God has created man, God has placed man, and God has given him his directive. So he starts in verse 15, it says, The Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. The the response to this verse is this, You are not the creator. 
I am not the creator. So what Genesis chapter 2, 15 through 17 establishes is that man is created by the creator God and placed where God would have him. And here's why this matters. Because as we talk about the family, what you're going to see is that there is a whole swath of ideas on, on how you should raise your family, what that should look like, how you should operate in your marriage. And what we are declaring as believers is that God's the creator. God's the one who establishes these relationships. So therefore, God is the authority that you and I are called to live our lives under. So verse 15, you've got these three things. And then you've got in verse 16 and 17, a clear boundary. Verse 16, and the Lord God commanded the man... You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. God has said, I'm the creator. I'm the sustainer. I'm the one who decides the way that life is to be lived. And he's now given us the consequences. When we decide to go against that, this is the result that when we decide to go against the word of God and against the commands of God or sin, the result of this is death. So we start with this framework as we talk about the family this morning. God is the creator. God is the sustainer. God is the commander. And our response is to submit to his authority. In other words, if we could boil all of this down into one sentence, it would be this. God tells us what things are and how they are to be. No gray area. He has said it. It is the truth. What's the significance as it relates to the family? I don't have to tell you this because you see it every day. Whether you recognize it in the moment or not, I'm not sure. But there is a clear war raging for the soul of the family. Because there's a clear war raging for the soul of you. So as we approach this issue of the family, it's something that you should see clearly. We live in a world that continually seeks to redefine God-established absolutes. We live in a world that says marriage can be between whoever you want it to be. Although as we follow the biblical directive, what is clearly laid out and defined is, is marriage is between one man and one woman. You've got a biblical directive that says God has knit us together in our mother's womb as he saw fit and has made some male and some female. And you've got a culture that declares you can decide what and who you are based on how you feel in the moment. And this can change at any moment, at any time, for any reason. You've got a culture that says marriage is just a social construct. It's just a piece of paper. And so we can, we can do this thing, this thing called life together outside of the covenant that God has declared. And so we can live together before marriage or, or we can bypass marriage entirely. 
And then we come to the biblical directive, we see, no, this is the way it's done. This is a covenant relationship that is established with one another that God has instituted. So right away, just in these three culturally relevant things, you can see that there is a war that is raging for the soul of the family. Now, here's the thing. The world's going to do what the world does. If our response this morning, the goal of this sermon is, is just to sit here and complain about the way the things in the world work, what we're actually doing is just trying to get the attention off of our sin. I, I'm not concerned, I'm concerned with the world, but in this moment, I'm not concerned with the world, I'm concerned with us. I'm concerned with the church. The world's going to make their declarations as to what they believe is the truth. But the church has to be solid on who God is, what he said to do, and our response to those commands. We have to get this right. And so in this moment, I'm not calling on the world to change its ways. I'm calling on the church to resolve to submit to God's authority and stand firm on who he is and how he's ordered his creation. Turn to Genesis chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 2. This is the moment when all of humanity goes off the rails. It says, The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but, but God did say, You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. Verse 4, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. This, this is the war that is raging for your soul and my soul. And this is the tactic, the only tactic that the enemy has to take the good things of God, to take his commands and twist them to fit our selfish agenda Notice the, the, the draw here. You're, you're not going to die. You're going to be like God. This is the root of all of our sin, including the sins against our family. Oh, I, I want to be like God. I want to be the authority. I want to declare the way that things ought to be. There is no new tactics in this battle. And so as we seek as a church to walk in righteousness together, this starts from us saying a declaration that each one of us has to make as to who God is and who is the ultimate authority of our lives. Because as John lays out in John chapter 10, he says, this is, this is the result of the two paths. This is the result of the two authorities that you can choose from. Yourself, the world, the enemy, or choosing God as your authority. John, Jesus lays out in John chapter 10. He says, the thief, the enemy, Satan, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I hope you see what Jesus has done here. Because what he's done is he's given us the truth about the battle that we face. If you're going to put your trust and get your authority as to the way that you should live your lives, 
as the way that you should order your family. If you're going to seek to follow the world's directives, it's going to lead to death and destruction. But if you're going to submit to God, then his promise is this is where life is found. This is where freedom is found in me and in my commands. So as we choose, individually and as a church, who is our authority? What you need to understand is this. Jesus has not given us an allowance to to tiptoe in and out of one uh, one and then the other. This is a wholehearted declaration of, of who will you choose? Whose authority will you seek to live under? And Jesus has said, follow me. Follow me. This, this is where life is found. My commands are not meant to, to hinder you. My commands are meant to give you life. This is where life is found. This is the way life is to be lived. Follow me. And so, as we seek to get into the topic this morning, here's what you need to understand. As we, we talk about the home, we talk about marriage, we talk about family. Your marriage has an enemy but it is not your spouse. Your family has an enemy. Believe it or not, it is not your kids. (laughs) But this is a battle that is raging. Paul lays out in Ephesians chapter 6, he says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. If you got your Bibles open, or if you want to grab the Pew Bible in front of you, I would encourage you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Because I want you to see the verse and the verses that, that are around this, that it comes on the heels of. What you're going to see at the end of Ephesians chapter 5 is as Paul has written to this church and he said, this is who God is and this is how he has set you apart. If you will submit to what he's called you to be, he said at the end of chapter 5 and the beginning of chapter 6, now as a result, this is how you are to order your families. And this is, this is the attributes that each should look like. He says, first of all, all of you, Make the decision to submit your lives to Jesus. First and foremost, this is who God is. This is what he's done through his son. Submit to him because this is where freedom and life is found. Now, as a result, as you're doing that, here is how it's going to transform your families. He says, wives, submit to your husbands. Submit to your husbands in the same way that the church submits to Christ. Now here's where these all play in together. Because the very next thing that follows is husbands, give your wives a man worth submitting to. Love your wives. Not not in the ways of the world, not in the way you feel in the moment. No, love your wives. How? As Christ has loved the church. And the question that follows is, well, how, how did Christ love the church? He laid his life down for it. 
So the question is, is this, first and foremost. Husbands, wives, have you made a conscious decision to submit your lives, to submit your family under the authority of Jesus Christ? The questions that follow is this, well then men, we've been given a response to this. The God-ordained order of the family is that you, you would be the spiritual leader of your household. Here's what often happens when we talk about this. We often talk about this, and, and, and as I hear it and as you hear it, we, we often think of this in generalities or just us as a group. I, I want to make this personal to you. Men, you are the spiritual leaders of your household. I'm the spiritual leader of my household. That means the the one who is going to answer and be held accountable to the way that he led his family is you. It's not us collectively, it's you. And so the response to the way that we love our family is I'm going to love my family out of an overflow of understanding what what God has done for me. I'm going to love as Christ loved the church. I'm going to give my life to seeing my wife and my children grow in their relationship with the Lord. Let's let's get practical for a moment. (laughs) I had to laugh this week because we had a a couple who's going to be married in a couple months over to our house for some premarital counseling. And we, we like having them over to our house because they can see what real life looks like. You know, they can see me threaten my kids 20 times to stay in the basement. And they can, you know, they can see all the crying and all this stuff. The kids were actually really good this time. They did great. But what we have said is, is this. Your role as the husband. Your role as the husband is to take your directives from Christ and love the way that he loves you. So this means, practically speaking, I'm going to spend time getting in the Word of God with my kids. I want to spend time with my wife, just the two of us, reading the Word together. I'm going to spend time praying for my wife when we're together, or when we're apart, and, and here's, here's my confession to you. Up to this point, I've stunk at it. Not anymore. Because I recognize the significance of the battle that my family is in. I hope you do too. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make time to love my kids and show them what a godly father looks like. Not a perfect father by any stretch of the imagination. But I'm going to go to my kids and, and confess my sin against them. I'm going to apologize to them. I'm going to show them what it looks like to be humble as I do my best to follow Christ and lead them in that. Men, this is the resolution that we have to make. For so long, we've, we've offloaded this duty to the church at large. We, we've offloaded this duty to the pastor. 
We thought, well, well, you know more than I do, or, or at least you seem like you know more than I do, so I'm going to let you lead my family. No, men, we're walking this out together, but we are responsible for leading our families, and we take it seriously. Wives, the call to submit to your husband, culturally speaking, is not a popular one. But it's a necessary one. The directive for you that Paul lays out is as your husband seeks to follow Christ, submit to him. Now, here's what I want to say, the caveat for you who are maybe married to an unbeliever. Unfortunately, your role has now been elevated. It's not the way God designed it, but man, for those of you who step in the gap and lead your families God bless you. This is, this is what we're called to do, and you're taking that role seriously. But the response for wives is, wives, as your husband submits to Christ, submit to him, respect him. Husbands, love your wives. There's this mutual submission to one another in church. We have got to take this seriously and walk this out. And then children come into the picture. Kids, you live in a culture that says you, you push against every authority of figure in your life. This is totally opposite to what <clears throat> Christ has told us. And Paul writes in chapter 5, or excuse me, chapter 6, he says, children, as your parents are submitting to Christ, obey them. As they're submitting to Christ, obey your parents in the same way that the church should obey God. So you start to see this picture that husbands and wives in marriage are, are submitting to one another. All in a reflection of the relationship when, with Christ and his church. And, and then when kids are brought into the picture, you again see this picture of the church's relationship to the father. This is what a biblical family looks like. Perfection? Absolutely not. Messy? Absolutely. But walking in obedience and pressing forward nonetheless. I know we're jumping all over the place this morning, but we're going to jump back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Because the question is, is now, as we kind of move towards the end of this, what does this practically look like in my home? What, what, do I, what do I do? Because let's be honest, many of us, we don't really know where to start. As, as God has directed Moses to lead the Israelites, he says, this is the way that the Israelite family should be ordered. This is what you're to do. Fathers, this is how you're to lead your family. Wives, this is how you're to lead your family. He says, first and foremost, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. It starts from a devotion to the Father. He says, impress them upon your children, meaning the laws, the commands of God. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. And tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads, which the Jews sometimes take literally. 
But what he's essentially saying is let the commands of God impact the way that you think and the way that you act. Let your life reflect the commands of God as you walk in obedience to him. Write them on your door frames of your houses and on your gates. Meaning, let this be the way that you order your lives around. Your household should be built around who God is and what he's called you to do. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. So that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord, your God, as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, so that you may enjoy long life. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. What you need to realize is this, the way that you order your family now, Men, the way that you lead your family, wives, the way that you lead your family, the way that you submit to one another in marriage has ramifications that go far beyond you. I don't know about you, but as I get older, I realize certain things that matter and certain things that don't. What I recognize is I want want my kids to walk with the Lord. I want my grandkids to walk with the Lord. I want my generations of families to walk with the Lord. There is no greater freedom than that, and it starts by us walking in obedience in the middle of our marriages, in the middle of our raising children, submitting to him. It it starts here. So as we seek to be a church that that holds certain core values dear, the question is this. Based on these truths, what do I want us as a church to be? I want us to be a strong biblical church that is made up of strong biblical families, made up of strong biblical people. So the question that needs to be answered, the declaration that needs to be made is who will you serve? Who is your authority? In just a moment, I want to do something a little different. I tried my best to go shorter today. I failed a little bit at that, but um, I want to offer you a, a time to just during this next song, come up with your family and pray. Come up with your wife. Come up with your kids if they're in here. This is a serious declaration that needs made. This has eternal ramifications for us. This has generational ramifications for our family. This matters. So the question is, who will you resolve to be? Men, will you resolve to be a husband and a father that leads your family in the ways of the Lord? As countercultural as it may be, as crazy as it may seem to the outside world, we need men who will step up and say, I'm going to submit to God regardless of what it costs me.
Women, will you submit to lead your families well by, by loving your husbands, by respecting them, by, by showing your children this is the way that godly women live. Together, would you show your children we're not perfect. We are imperfect men and women, but striving to build a marriage around the only thing that matters. So, so the question is, is this the resolution for you to make? Is this the authority of your lives? I, I want to invite you to bring your family up and pray. You can, as we're singing, you can stand, get together wherever you're at. I, I don't care. But we have to be re resolving daily to be a church that seeks to be a biblical family as we walk in righteousness together. So during the next song, I would invite you to come up if you so choose to make that declaration. Father, we thank you for who you are. As we look at your word, we recognize your ways are best. Father, I pray that each family today would make a decision one that has eternal ramifications. That they would say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Father, we need your spirit. We need to walk in obedience to you and we understand that in our flesh, in our sin, we are incapable of this. So we ask for your spirit to help us walk in righteousness we ask that you would fill us with your spirit to make us more and more into the image of your son. And, and Lord, that this would have ramifications that would trickle down to our children, to our children's children and beyond. Father, help Redbreast Christian Church to be a church made up of strong biblical families for your glory. Lord, it's in your name that we pray these things.